As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with co-hosts, Matt Tebby. Say hello, Matt. Hi. Uh, just with your hands, oh, yeah, okay. with your yeah. voice. Yeah, okay, thank okay. You. The hello. listeners can't see you and Christy. Hi. Henley. Hey there. Hey, good to see you both. Um, we are um, about to head into this uh, episode here with Benjamin Windle on ministry to Gen Z and millennials in a pandemic. Uh, and beyond. Uh, he's got some helpful stuff to say. Uh, but it's, you know, it's summer time, guys. And Woo-hoo! you know what summer means? Kids are home from school. You, I know both of you guys have school-aged children. Uh, not like me. No, I do it too. It means sprinklers. Um, it means sprinklers. sprinklers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bree right now is outside in the Aww. sprinkler, playing in yeah. the backyard. She's so That's sweet. That's great. Sweet. Yeah. Um, and it also means vacations. Uh, you guys got vacation plans? Yeah. Is this the thing you guys do? Kind of. Kind of. Tell us Kinda. about your vacation, Ben. Kind of. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Minnesota. So I grew up in Minnesota. My uh, and, and most of my family and uh, all of my wife's family are still back there. So yeah, wait, we'll wait, go back wait, to Minnesota. Wait, wait. Is it a vacation or is it a family trip? A family trip. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it it's a little bit of both, but I, um, yeah, we get, we get along fine with uh, kind of both sides of the family. And so- okay. Every once in a while, I get a little bit like, um, I need, I, I like a lot of time alone on vacation. Um, and so every once in a while, I feel a little, you know, cramped because gotcha. I, I don't get as much time alone as I maybe would like. But it's always, it's always nice to see family. We moved, we moved away like in 98, which is like, how many years ago is that? So many years Forever ago. Forever ago. Forever ago. And so, you know, kind of the, all of our kids growing up has been, you see grandma and grandpa, you see them twice a year. And so it's yeah. kind of a big, it's a big deal. They see their cousins twice okay. a year. We go back at Christmas. We go back in the summer. So yeah, that's our plan. We're going to go, going to drive to Minnesota. Are you going to Disney? Uh, no, no. Okay. No, not, no, probably Christmas. I know Disney is kind of the thing we always do as a family. We've been. I've known times. you for like 20 years and I'm pretty sure you've gone to Disney 
at least 20 times. That is true. I'm embarrassed to say it. Uh, there's a longer story there, but I won't, I won't share it. We are hoping to do something at the end of July, um, but we've got two families uh, are coming to visit us in July. Um, I just found out like the week after the 4th. Uh, ben, you don't know this, but I'll tell I you about that. I was, I was curious you, about You know this. both of these families, by the way. Oh, well, this is exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Who and then, uh, well, uh, Kimberly Deckel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're coming to visit for the day. I'm not awesome. sure if she wanted that public, but here it is. Here we go. <laughs> we're, we're doing here we this. Go. Yeah. If you don't know who that is, don't look her up. We're doing no, this. And then kidding. Tanya and Eric Rogers are coming uh, on a college okay. visit trip later in July, and oh, uh, well. they're going to stay at our house. Loads of fun. That's yeah. fun. So that, our kids love that. And, yeah. They and Christy, love have hosting people? Yeah, Christy's, people Christy's house. house is like a hostel. They, they, she's always she's always got somebody living with always her. Always somebody with her. Yeah. living there. It's a revolving door this summer. You do. Is it? So if you, you are counting coming? people coming to your house as a vacation, we are on vacation all summer long. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, now I, now I want to find a way to get to Colorado and, yes. and go on vacation We need to do house. a podcast here, all oh, three of us. Oh, do a live here. podcast yes. all in the same room? That'd be Come super on. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh, Christy. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'm going right. to Missouri, well, y'all. My oh, dad turned 75, and mm. for his birthday, all of the siblings and their kids and everybody are going to a family camp, like a YMCA family camp for a week, which is awesome. super fun. That At least fun. I hope it will be super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to hear about your vacations, guys, what you were, what you're planning to do this summer. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Let's, right. plan, well, let's plan a fall vacation. You guys come out here. I, lo- I love that idea. I got my got my wheels spinning now, okay, Christy. It's good. I, I can't think of how to end this intro. All I can think about is how much are flights to Colorado. So anyway, all right. Well, we do need to end the intro, uh, friends. Here is uh, this interview that Christy and I did. Matt, you weren't on this one, Mm-mm. but Christy and I talked with Benjamin yeah. Mendel. Uh, let's get into it. Okay, everyone, welcome to uh, another episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben Sternke, here with Christy Penley. How are you, Christy? I'm great, but we are also here with something very special. Yep, yep, we're here with uh, Benjamin Windle, uh, or Ben, he goes by Ben just like I do. Um, And uh, Ben, it's great to have you on the the podcast today. Hey guys, it's really good to be with you. Yeah, so we were just getting to know Ben a little bit before we hit record here. Um, and Ben, we'll, we'll let you, uh, fill out your bio a little bit for our listeners. But, uh, what I know about you is that you are a lead pastor. Uh, you pastor a church called Life Place in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, if you couldn't tell from his accent, although we've had other people from Australia who actually live here in the States. So, you know, you can't really tell where people live, I suppose, just by their accent. But, uh, but Ben pastors in Brisbane, Australia and has a um, kind of a unique ministry that we're going to talk about today to millennials, to Gen Z, um, to young people in general, um, and um, also just a ministry to those who minister to those people um, and uh, some of the unique challenges that um, that that kind of ministry brings up, uh, especially in these days of a COVID pandemic. So Ben, 
Welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, maybe just fill out that introduction that I did uh, for our listeners a little bit more. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Ben. Um, it's, it's great to be on your podcast. And by the way, listeners can't see this, right? Because this is an audio recording. But you've got to right, know that it. Ben's headphones mm-hmm. are ordinary black headphones. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Christy has the coolest <laughs> pink headphones you've ever seen. Yes, bright hot pink. I know I'm in the company of good people, fun people. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. It, it's it's interesting, Ben, because when I think about a lot of the work I'm doing now, you know, with millennials mm-hmm. and Gen Z, it comes out of a place in my life that I never really expected would lead to an expression of ministry, which is I'm a pastor's kid and was raised in the mm. church, mm. and. Um, you know, so I uh, born in 1982, Church of the okay. in, of the 80s. Um, when mm-hmm. I became a teenager, I was done. Like I was ready <laughs> yeah. to leave. My dad would ask me and say, oh, Ben, you know, it looked like you were kind of bored today in church. <laughs> you fell asleep <laughs> during the preaching. Yeah. Um, and I was, there were, there were a whole lot of reasons. And I came to a a fork in the road season of my life at the age of, you know, 16 and made Mm -hmm. what I look back on now in my life trajectory and realize it changed everything about the path I was on. I made a decision not just to stay, not just to attend church. I made this, it feels unusual now looking back, like, why would you make that decision at at 16? But I made this Mm. Um, commitment to God that not only will I stay in the church because all of my friends had left, right? There was, mm-hmm. hey, what an awesome youth ministry of, of zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There was nothing. Um, the church wasn't cool, right? The, 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 yeah, the, the, yeah. the church didn't have all the bells and whistles. I mean, not many churches did back then. I made mm. this decision to stay and be a part of the solution, and so everything that I do now from senior pastoring to writing and creating content to help pastors and leaders understand millennials and Gen Z comes out of that place in my, in my own life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what, I mean, this maybe, uh, gets us too far afield, but it came, uh, I'm curious about this. Um, what was it about, like, what, what happened for you that made you make that commitment um, to lean back in? Was there was there something specific that sort of reeled you back in instead of spinning out? Yeah. Here's, here's something that's interesting. Um, you would think that the answer would be something like, I don't know, um, the church made a change, so I decided to yeah. stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the church employed a really cool youth pastor with a, a leather jacket and <laughs> tattoo, tattoos. Pink yeah. headphones. And pink headphones. Pink headphones yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, there's somebody cool at my church. I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. There was no one cool. <laughs> mm. um, and there was a, a guy who, teenager, who gave his life to Jesus and joined the church and really came from a completely unchurched background, which is very common in mm. Australia. It's a very yeah, yeah. secular um, country. Mm-hmm. And I was like the only kind of young person. Mm. So he came up to me and said, can you mentor me as like, I've heard of this new, I'm a new Christian. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He learned that, he learned that phrase. So I'm a new Christian. 
I need yeah. someone to like help me be a new Christian. Can that be you? Mm. And so yeah. I started young, mm. just doing organic grassroots. I didn't call it ministry. I didn't even know what that was. For me, I was just like, I'm helping somebody grow mm. in their faith. Yeah. I'm trying my best to answer questions. My girlfriend and I, Cindy, who's now my wife, uh, we started a small group when we were teenagers together in wow. her parents' living room to help wow. these, you know, new Christians. Yeah, right. <laughs> new Christians. In, in scare squad, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, why that's significant, Ben, is something shifted in my heart towards if I conceptually see church in my faith as something that I give out of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. something that I serve out of, I'm focused on others, it covered a multitude of cultural nuances within the church that I thought, oh, this needs to change and that needs to change. None of that matters when you're sitting down with somebody who's saying, I'm coming off and out being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to drugs. I know mm-hmm. nothing about the Bible. What does this scripture mm-hmm. mean? And you're dealing with a human, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the genesis for me of what began to shift my heart. And yes, there were people that made a difference and poured into me, and I'm grateful for all of that. But more than that, it was the turn towards, mm. I want to help somebody else grow. And in yeah. that, ironically, I began mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, um, and this maybe uh, leads into some of what we want to talk about, or some maybe some of your, you know, emphasis in terms of, you know, ministry to young people, millennials and Gen Z, uh, and all of that kind of thing. But I, I find that fascinating, that um, the the need of someone kind of right in front of you, embodied, mm-hmm. you know, who needs to he- hear about some of these things, the need of that sort of draws you out of this world where, you know, your faith is all about preferences or seeing what's wrong with the church or seeing how that person did something dumb or, you know, that sure. kind of a thing. And it's, it's you know, this thing that we automatically think should cater to us. And instead, it turns turns your vision outward. Um, I think that's really profound. Well, you know, so. it's a trap, Ben. It's a trap for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a millennial myself, born in 1982. Um, I'm, I'm okay, a, so what are... I'm an old millennial. I'm okay, a bold, right. old millennial. Yes. So there, there is some, there is some confusion here on like the, uh, you know, where the, where the breakdown all happens. Right. Um, I've heard, uh, I've heard Gen Z call millennials boomers. Um, right. and then, you know, everybody gets called a boomer. My kids sometimes call me a boomer and I, um, very offended, uh, say I'm Gen X and they're like, what's Gen X? And I'm like, exactly. And everybody you, forgets about it. He's a forgotten generation. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Just nobody knows we're here, even though we're, you know, Anyway, um, so 82 is an old millennial. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much okay. on the cusp, right, of Gen yeah, X yeah. and uh, millennial. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'll claim the millennial side of things. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I, I'm speaking to my own generation and, okay. then, and then one generation down, and then I'm speaking mm-hmm. up to leaders and, yeah. um, and pastors. And okay. um, we're dealing with what is a major epidemic and movement in terms of faith and church and religion and spirituality mm-hmm. of millennials and, uh, and Gen Z. But mm-hmm. when I say it's a trap, I say this, um, if, if me and my generation 
if we mm-hmm. honestly buy into this idea that when church solves all of its problems or is finally relevant enough or et cetera, um, there's elements of it that I understand and there are elements of it that are normal and natural and good and healthy, but then there are elements of it that can become consumerism. And here's what we know about consumerism. No matter mm. what you get, it's never satisfying. Yeah, And yeah. I think it's one of the great cultural challenges to mm. modern day faith and, and church which mm-hmm. is if I get what I want, if I find what I want, but uh, hey, we know what it's like. You get a new car a week and it no longer feels new. You'll line up to get a mm-hmm. new iPhone. In two years, that thing is a doorstop. Um, consumerism mm-hmm. never satisfies. And so yeah. if we have a whole generation postured towards, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if we do, towards asking this question, is it cool enough? Is it relevant enough? We'll, we'll never find it in yeah. what we get out of it as much as seeing church as a community that we contribute to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I wonder if we can pivot here towards um, some of specifically what we want to talk about today, uh, which is sort of the the ministry that um, you're talking about in terms of um, millennials, but you frame it, um, you frame it in this, uh, this, this, short book, um, uh, uh, you frame it around the, the concept of pain. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you talk about, um, ministering from pain and you, you mentioned the three pandemics that we're dealing with. I wonder if you could like outline those for us really quickly. Absolutely. Well, the research from Barna shows us that, uh, we're dealing with 64% of mm-hmm. millennials and Gen Z that, were in the church, at some point will walk away from the church. Mm-hmm. It's a significant issue. So I think for pastors and leaders, just understanding, the more we can understand these new generations, the better that we can relate to them. The three mm-hmm. pandemics come out of that kind of desire to let's understand our cultural moment. So yeah. as we're recording right now, we're within the context of COVID-19, this mm-hmm. global pandemic. And I've broken that down into a viral pandemic, right? This is the worst viral outbreak in 100 years. We know that. But Mm -hmm. it's also an an economic pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we've seen incredible financial disruption. And we're not through that yet. I mean, that's going to take three to five years to even understand what does that mean? Because there has been so many stimulus packages pumped into our economy. But we at least know. There's pain somewhere here within the economy. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we are also going through a grief pandemic. And that's why we saw scenes of people hoarding toilet paper and, you know, getting in fistfights in grocery stores because there's fear, there's hysteria. And seeing this through this lens of it being a grief pandemic actually gives us a framework to Mm -hmm. understand psychologically what people are walking through right now. And and I say this, we shouldn't see this as this pandemic as a problem to solve, but rather a grief process to enter. And they're two different things. (laughs) 
This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. One of the things that we've you know talked about on this podcast quite a bit, and one of the things we're learning in our church, um, and I think a lot of people are learning right now, is that we, like as a, especially as a Western society, United States, Australia, I think is part of this, Europe, um, we don't really know how to lament. We don't really know how to grieve well. We're not used to having to suffer through pain. We're used to being able to do something about it, to fix it, to solve it, to numb it. Um, quickly. And so I think that that is our first instinct when we encounter something like a global pandemic is like, well, can't we just do something about it? Or, or we encounter even the problem of like young people, millennials, Gen Z leaving the church. Well, can't we just, you know, can't we just hire a youth pastor with a leather jacket or some pink headphones, you know, and, and, and get them back in here. But um, maybe, maybe tease some of that out. What's the difference between, how did, how did you put it again? It's a process we walk through not a problem to solve. Is well, that right? Yeah, I mean, like you, you know, when I hear you you discuss that, I was raised in a uh-huh. faith tradition that had an uncomfortable relationship with pain and healing because we, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, pain and suffering because we believe in healing and we have right. faith. Yeah, and so then you have people that t- turn that towards millennials and Gen Z and say, "Well, they're not resilient. Uh, why are they so sensitive? Mm-hmm. Why can't they just get over it?" Mm-hmm. Um, and our instinct, it's like a faith instinct seems to kick in. It kicked in with this pandemic to kind of say, let's, we need more faith, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that we have to relook at the teachings of Paul because Paul hmm. was able to hold a theology of both pain and promise in how hmm. he pastored people hmm. and how he led. And so we have to be able to minister from a place of pain. That's empathy. Mm. That's that's true human-to-human ministry. And we take people on a journey of promise. If we're all promise, right? Call that cliche. Mm-hmm. Call that slogans on social media. Um, yeah. To the point where we refuse to even acknowledge pain. And that mm. I was seeing glimpses of that early on in the pandemic. You know, mm. like this is going to be mm-hmm. our best year ever. You're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're catching the, <laughs> the tone of what's happening right now. You know, um, we yeah. will inadvertently lose our credibility yeah. with these new generations. And so my question mm. is this, do we have room in our theology to truly comprehend the full human experience? We mm. know Jesus did. We know Paul did. Yeah. Well, and it's so powerful. I, I uh, a friend of mine had three miscarriages in about a fifteen month span, and she invited her friends over to do a, a shiva. I think it's called. It's like a Jewish lamenting service, 
it was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced because I think you're right in our culture. We do not grieve. We do not lament. We don't give space for that kind of thing. And now here we are, worldwide pandemic, where we're all grieving. We're all in pain. Um, and we want to like point to maybe the physical or the economic, but we often don't look inside to the emotions and what's going on internally to us. So I wonder if you could like kind of double click on your, your book really is, you know, seven best practices to pastoring. Um, what does that look like? Tell us some of your, uh, give us some real life examples of how you walk alongside, um, our friends in the midst of their pain and how do we love them? Well, how do we pastor them? Well, well, I think often if you're a preacher, pastor, teacher, leader, it starts in our communication. And sometimes we don't speak human, we speak church. <laughs> yes. And so we need a pastoral worldview that is able to stretch into the shadows to include pain, suffering, hardship. And that's why for millennials and Gen Z, I've labeled this our first culturally disruptive moment. It's mm. the first. Mm. I mean, I, rem mm. I remember where I was when September 11 happened, right? But I was right. still watching something affecting other people some other place. This yes. has affected all of us. And where yeah. other generations went through wars and other pandemics and disasters and atrocities at mass levels. This is the first thing that has shaken our normal existence to the core. It's pushed me back to the teachings of Paul. And so I would encourage that because I find Paul a remarkably transparent writer. He's so mm. honest in what he goes through. I mean, take, for example, take just the end of the book of Acts. Like how the book of Acts ends. Think about how remarkable the book of Acts is. The miracles, the, the signs and wonders, the power, the breakthrough, the church growing. I mean, if you just wrote a list of these are all of the things that God did through that community, it would just be the most inspirational list. But how does the book end? Well, the book ends in, in the most unusual of ways. The, the great apostle Paul is in obscurity in Rome mm -hmm. under house arrest for two yeah. years. Right. And it just kind of ends on this almost like, huh, really? We're going yeah. to close it off here, Paul? <laughs> Paul is in obscurity and within that, and I actually think within that we see this seed for the rest of what comes in the New mm -hmm. Testament church, within that, Paul is ministering. People mm -hmm. are visiting his home. He is still thriving within himself. His ministry is still thriving. And to me, it gives us the seed of theology of how to minister when things don't go the way that we think. And that's why I think when you look, you know, Christy, at, at chapters like Romans chapter 8, um, sure. you know, one of, one of the most misquoted scriptures. Mm. Because of course, we know it, right? All things work together for good mm -hmm. to those who love God. And yes, it is a powerful narrative. But what were the all things that he was even talking about? 
just remember this, the all things were problems. And he lists them. Sufferings. Mm -hmm. These are some of the things Mm -hmm. he says when he talks about the all things. Sufferings of this present time, groanings of creation, hope Mm -hmm. that doesn't see the answer, personal weaknesses, trouble, calamity, death threats. He's even talking in the same chapter about persecution of faith unto death. But Mm -hmm. what redeemed Paul's theology was this, an eternal perspective. And if we just add that into how we minister and lead because of what we've been through with this pandemic, it has the ability to give us a whole new vantage point for how we help people grow in their faith. Yeah. I think that's scary for a lot of leaders. Um, And I know it's um, entering into it has been scary for me. I think we're used to, as leaders, as people who minister to others, we're used to coming at that from a place of sort of being an expert, um, being able to have a word that makes people feel better, um, you know, those sorts of things. And even, even that verse, right, that you mentioned has been, I've heard that used as sort of this band-aid that doesn't really take into account all the sufferings and the persecutions and the, you know, the, the bad things that you were talking about earlier. It doesn't really take them into account. It sort of brushes them aside to say, don't think about those things. Don't talk about those things. Uh, God works all things together for good. So just, you know, put on a happy face and, you know, and, and be happy. But I, I think what you're talking about is more of a, uh, a reckoning with, with those things, a facing of them and you know, maintaining hope. And so there's this irony, I think, for a lot of us um, that we're learning maybe for the first time is that true hope actually only comes on the other side of lament and grief and kind of walking through and facing some of those things, um, which is part of what you talk about in this in this little um, booklet um, as part of the key, I think, to ministering uh, specifically to millennials and Gen Z uh, during this pandemic. Yeah, well, well the old things banned in Romans 8 the all things that became good things were firstly bad things and they were used <laughs> mm-hmm. to be good things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where yeah. I think, you know, my first little practical tip here on ministering mm-hmm. to millennials and Gen Z is start with empathy and kindness. And, yeah. and we know this, that out of the deepest hurts and challenges and adversity in our lives, that's where mm-hmm. we grow the most. Yeah. And so yeah. starting with empathy and kindness is is letting people know, hey, you don't need to skip what you're feeling. God's going to use it to grow you. Yeah, good. And then the second one too, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this. The second one that you bring up is bring people into your internal conversation, which I think this bucks against our sort of our expertise culture or the idea that we as leaders need to be confident all the time. Like we need to uh, have it all put together. We need to have a, um, you know, have the answers to the questions that everybody's asking, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but I like this one because talk a little bit about what, what you mean by bringing people into your internal conversation. Well, I'm really speaking to preachers and communicators, but it would also go for people that are mentoring or coaching or communicating in any way to new generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try not to come from the posture of I've got all this figured out. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't. Let's start there, right? <laughs> I don't. Um, and I think that if we are afraid to say that, right, yeah. I'm yeah. still trying to figure this out. I'm still processing things. This is hard for me. I'm in shock. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not sure where all of this ends up. Here's how I'm feeling right now. That does not erode credibility with new generations. The vulnerability Mm. and transparency and authenticity removes the church voice or the church posture or the church phrases. And again, Mm -hmm. it helps us speak human. So I use this example, Ben, uh, for preachers. I call it on this uh, subject, the principle of the side window. And the Mm. analogy is this. When I'm preaching, I try to picture myself. I've got one of two choices. I can try and smash down the front door, which may Mm -hmm. represent somebody's heart, which may represent a mindset. The side window is saying, look for openings where you can come alongside your listeners through the tool of empathy that lets Mm -hmm. them know you feel what they feel. You understand the challenges that they're going through. And my goal when it comes to preaching to these generations is to not just bring comfort, it's to bring challenge. And we Mm. need both of those. We should not be afraid of bringing challenge, but it's empathy that enables us to get in, not through a power approach, not through an authority approach. It's coming from an angle that lets people know I'm here for you. Once I Mm -hmm. come from that side window approach, It's there I can use a mix of comfort, but also challenge. And if we're all comfort, all comfort and no challenge, people won't grow. But if we're all challenge and no comfort, people won't feel our love. It's about marrying both of those together. Absolutely. And we see that in Jesus all over the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. He he is this beautiful example of this invitation, this this connecting with people through this empathy and this compassion and this challenge. Um, and so, yes, I want to say yes to all that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got a, a tool that we work with, like the leaders that we train, um, called the Grace and Truth uh, Matrix, that talks a little bit in very similar terms uh, to this. We put put these things on an X Y axis and talk about how Jesus was full of both grace and truth, as it says in uh, the prologue of John's Gospel, um, and how he was able to then minister really, really effectively to the people around him, love love people as they needed to be loved uh, because of those things. Yeah, so true. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, there's lots, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's seven, seven of these things and, um, we'll direct people to, uh, be able to download this. So we don't need to necessarily go through them all. Um, but I think they're really, uh, really good and really helpful. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, um, number six says revisit earlier generations and the question, the questions here, I wonder if you have any, um, reflections on this. Um, how did the church respond during the Black Death, for example? Um, how have Christians lived when they were persecuted? How did our grandparents and great-grandparents live? That's been something that I've been um, interested in during this pandemic. You know, sort of, we, we talk about these unprecedented times, and of course, every time is unprecedented because we've never lived through it before. But um, the church has been through uh, plagues before. The church has been through pandemics before. The church has been through uh, seasons of economic and you know financial disruption before. Um, what what have you learned as you've uh, looked into some of those things? Like what can we learn from the past generations? Well, the great influenza at the start of the twentieth century um, spread fast. 
yeah. was truly a devastating, we can't even wrap our minds around it kind of pandemic. Mm-hmm. When you see photographs, it's eerie how similar some of them look with social distancing and face masks and so forth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why does that matter and why would we revisit earlier generations? Aren't all new generations better? Like my new TV is better than my old TV, <laughs> right? My new car right. is better than my yeah. old car. Yeah. Everything new gets better and smarter and more advanced. Mm-hmm. But not when it comes to people. And I think steering my generation and younger generations to say this, we have lessons to learn from our grandparents and our Mm great-grandparents, right? My grandmother fled Athens, Greece at the close of World War II and witnessed war atrocities literally in front of her. She's one of the most unselfish, amazing, loving great cooks <laughs> you would ever meet. <laughs> um, it matters to me because I think we have something to learn from that generation mm. on how they have processed that, how they came mm. out the other side of it. One of the obvious lessons is this, that uh, if we've been there before mm. and we're still standing and we made it through, mm. it should give comfort that we're going to make it through what we're walking through now. Every generation has moments and seasons that mark them. Let's learn from how they processed things and handled Mm -hmm. things. So I think that there's a lot that the younger generations can learn from looking back through our family trees Mm. and learning how people grew from the adversity that they went through and how when you sit down and ask them, if you get the privilege, if you have a grandparent and you can sit down and ask them about their life, if you just ask them this question, when did you grow the most in your life? Like when did you when did you change the most for the better? Chances are it's not going to be, oh, actually it was the day I won the lottery. It was the day I got a job promotion. It was the day I, this amazing blessing happened. Most yeah. of the time people will say this, I went through this amazing challenge and at the time it devastated me. I thought it would break Mm -hmm. me. I thought it would crush me. And now that I look back in my old age, I kind of realize, you know what? That was a defining moment that shaped me and changed me for the better. What an Mm -hmm. awesome lesson to learn from our grandparents and great grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, man, we could, uh, we could talk about this stuff for a long time, and um, obviously there's there's a lot to say. Uh, I will commend to our listeners that you download. Um, we'll put a link to all this stuff uh, in the show notes. But um, Ben's book, uh, little booklet. It's a PDF you can download on the website. It's free, right? On the web. On your oh yeah, website? it's free. Right? Uh, the Promise of Pain is free, which is what we're speaking Promise from right now. And yes. my broader PDF uh, white paper on leading millennials and Gen Z. Uh, is also free. Great. So, and that's called Eight Innovations for Leading Millennials. And so, um, it's it, it expands just not you know not on just the pandemic, but obviously just some broad principles that you've learned. Um, and we'll um, uh, we'll put all that in the show notes, uh, links to all of that stuff. 
Um, I wonder if we could end on this question, Ben. Um, if you were to <laughs> distill, let's just say, um, if you if there's a if there are pastors, if there are leaders out there who know millennials or Gen Z, young people that are really uh, struggling right now, maybe with their faith or maybe with depression or something that's happening through the pandemic. If you could give uh, leaders just one piece of advice, you know, we've, we've done yeah. a little bit of that, but like, sure. what, what's the one thing that you would say um, to kind of close us out here? Don't buy into the negativity against mm. millennials and Gen Z. They mm. are remarkable. They are world changers and they are searching for a mission to give their lives to. It's a generation that carries the fingerprint of God. They're not the future of the church. They're the now of the church. Yeah. And so my encouragement is when I think of these amazing new generations and all that they're walking through right now, we cannot afford to just sit by and allow this trend of 64% of millennials and Gen Z to leave. The time for us to recognize how crucial these generations are is right now. We need to do all that we can to understand them. So if there's one thing, Ben, it's this. We need to listen more. Mm-hmm. Rather than have a message, we need to listen more. And we may just be surprised at what we learn as pastors yeah. and leaders from these generations. That's a really it's good, good word. It's really good. Yeah, really good word. Um, ben, how can people um, find you online? We'll, we'll direct people to your website, benjaminwindle.com, is it? Yeah, is right? uh, head yeah. on over, grab some of the okay. resources. Um, it's been an absolute Can they joy. find you on social media, Yeah, ben? I'm on Instagram yeah. and it's a Benjamin Windle, spelt like Kindle. Look me up on Insta. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> come and get some Australian accent in your life. Yeah, that's good. I, I love love it when I get some in my life. So <laughs> great to have you with us today, Ben. Thank you. So Thank much. you so much, Ben. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.